thank you guys so much. That was exciting. These are uh, all of our actors from First Take. Talented, talented people. They'll all be famous one day, so. <laughs> or God doesn't love them, yes. <laughs> it's funny how people relate to it that way, though, often, isn't it? Just like, wow, sad to see life that way. And it ties into what I'm going to be talking about today, which is first things first and priorities. Because right now we're in a series on live your vision. And would you say priorities have something to do with whether you fulfill your vision in your life? Yeah, kind of. So I want to actually do a little demonstration before this teaching so that you can see why it's such a big deal. This is your life. <laughs> This is your, no. Uh, <laughs> and it represents that we all have a limited amount of time on this earth. This is it. It's like when we begin, you know, we have what we got. To, and we get to choose how we fill the hours and days in our life. That's our choice. Now, we've talked about vision and looking at the big picture and having our lives matter and count and be meaningful. And I really believe with all my heart that every single person has a calling by God to fulfill that's going to make you feel purposeful and like your life matters. You know, everyone's life is significant. Everybody has special gifts and abilities that God has called you to fulfill. And yet, so many times, people do not fulfill that calling. They live life, what Jim Rowan talks about, majoring in minor things, where years and years and days and days go by, filling our lives up with things that are insignificant and that don't really matter. And think about how much time do we even put into thinking and investing in what we'd like the vision for our lives to look like. We're at the end of our years where we look back and say, I really feel like I, I lived what I was called to live and, and my purpose. And so the series is to get you to get clearer about your life's vision as well as how you can, feel, how you can uh, live it out. Now, what happens is we have choices in how we spend our time and our days. And there's many things that can consume our lives. Just think about it right now as far as some of the things that, you know, fill our time up. I think of Facebook quite frankly. <laughs> Man, can that be a time suck or what? <laughs> it's addicting. You know, computers or whatever, whatever it is, it could even be cleaning your closet out. You know, we can spend our lives on things that you know, could you live if your closet waited, you know, a few more days or what have you? Think about this as in our lives, these are the small things in life. And to show you this, oops, this is going to be tricky with the microphone and this. Uh, somebody want to help me, actually? This sand represents, and I want you to think about what the sand represents for you. So, Alberto, can you pour that in there? And you can see these are the small things like sand or little teeny grains. And oftentimes in our lives, without prioritizing, we let the smaller things fill us and fill the days and days and days go by and time goes by and it just gets full 
of things that don't really matter and aren't really significant. The sand are all the things that we take care of in our lives that are not super significant. Now what happens is if we first fill our lives with the sand, the things that really matter, actually, these rocks, these rocks represent, and I want you to think about what the rocks are in your life. These rocks represent the things that really matter to us. Now, if we put these in after the sand, notice that we're not going to get that many rocks in. Actually, you know what? I'm going to have, here, can you try that for me? You have to be gentle. This uh, vase is not the strongest vase. Wow, look at that. I didn't even get two of my most significant rocks in because I put the sand in first. Now, I'm going to show you, actually, here's what I want to do. I want to show you the rocks, what happens when we prioritize and put the more significant things in our life first. Okay, so here's all the stuff that we want to get in there that matters. And you'll see that there's sort of varying sizes, which I think is significant too, because we want to really think about what are the things that you can see, especially the biggest, most significant things, have the hardest time fit, fit, fitting in when we fill our lives up with the sand first. So let's take these out. Oops, can you take that out for me? Thanks. And can you put this back in the, in the jar? I didn't realize that I was going to have... When I did this, I didn't have a microphone, so we're kind of... <laughs> we're not like those fancy churches that have the uh, cordless mics. Now let's put, can you put the big rocks in there first and just be really deliberate? Because part of this is the more care and time and deliberate that we figure out how to get these big rocks in, just keep putting all the big rocks in. There should be. When I did this, I got them all in there, so. But part of this is just sort of taking the time to put those big rocks in. Okay. Okay, now put the sand in. And see what happens there. Because a lot of times we're led by the sand instead of the rocks in our lives. Have you noticed that? Because we just got all the rocks in that we wanted to get in there, and guess what is going to happen? We're going to get all the sand in there, too. Because what happens in life is when you do prioritize and you really take time to think about what really matters and what you value in life and what's significant, and you put those rocks in first, the sand will go ahead and fill in in the leftover space. And so now we've got time. Actually, was that, is there any more? We can get it all in there. Actually, you can see. I don't know if you guys can see, but how it just sort of fills in the spaces in between. So that's why it's such a big deal in terms of prioritizing. And in particular, what I want to draw your attention to, let's actually turn to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 6. Yeah, thanks. I'm, t I'm good. <laughs> Thank you to my very lovely helper. <laughs> so anyway, in Matthew chapter 6, one of the things that I believe with all my heart is if you want a vision that matters and that's purposeful, 
One of the most significant things that you want to prioritize is your relationship with God. God speaks about this, and we'll talk about why and how that works of making, when you think about the big rocks of what you want to put in the jar, it's seeking God first. First things first. In Matthew chapter 6, if you've got, well, see, I guess you don't really have to turn, do you? But uh, if you have the U version, you can use that. And, you know, I really encourage you to also take some notes and to be kind of contemplative during this as far as how it relates. I'm going to ask you some questions I want you to think about, too. I want you right now to be thinking, as I'm talking about this, what is the sand in your life that is consuming things? Where are the places that you're allowing sand to fill things up and not leave room for the rocks? And what are the rocks in your life? Now, in Matthew 6, in verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's a few things that I want to draw your attention to because we're going to, in life we tend, I think, you know, like how easy is it to get caught up in treasures on earth? You know, it's just sort of where specifically that things take away because oftentimes in our lives, and we're going to look at this in terms of career, ambition, things like that, that we put as such a major focus or drive in our life and consumes us. And yet there's not too many people that get on their deathbed and say, gee, I wish I worked more, you know really regret that I didn't make more money. You know, I feel so sad about that. I feel like my life just really didn't matter to what I wanted it to. If I could have only been richer right now. So to really be thinking about our lives in the big picture and for eternity. And it says, it's interesting in verse 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There is a real connection with you know, specifically treasure, the things that we value is what do we invest in, whether it's our time or our money, etc. Because there was a time in my life that I thought that I put God first, but it was in word only. It was just lip service in a way. It was just sort of like, yeah, God, he's big. Okay, he's number one. <laughs> you know, it was just sort of like somehow in my brain I thought just thinking, yes, I acknowledge God is the biggest of all. Is that putting God first in my life? But really, where your heart is and what matters to you relates to what you invest in. You know, it's interesting. You can find out what people care about and what they spend their money on, huh? What really matters to people. It's really, there's a big, the Bible actually speaks a lot about that there's a big connection even with finances and heart go together. You know. Who do you buy the most expensive presents for? People you care about, usually. (laughs) People that really matter to you. Um, But it's also, it's not just financial, but it's also your time. Because talk about a treasure. We only have one jar. That's it. There is nothing more precious and irreplaceable than our time and how we spend that. So that's a big deal. 
And then let's say, um, let's keep reading actually. In um, verse 22, it says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And it's kind of interesting. This is very much sort of an Eastern figure of speech. But it's interesting in terms of the, if you think about the eye and what you look on that, and how that fills, fills you up. It's sort of like last week when we talked about keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, that what we put our focus and, our, and, and look towards fills up who we are. So we want to... Um, definitely focus, I mean, focus on the things that we want to focus on. And then in verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is basically money. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? So it's really interesting because um, how much of our time do we worry about these things? Probably more than what would be great, right? (laughs) It says don't worry, and you're like, hmm, how much time do I actually put into worrying? Talk about anxiety, you know, where, where we're, you know, focused on those things. But what's the answer here? Because it doesn't, you know, you definitely need those things, right? It just says that life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. And then it says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air (laughs) for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Now we don't really probably think about sowing and reaping or barns a whole lot in Silicon Valley. (laughs) Sowing, we're not talking about like needle and thread in case you're wondering. Sowing is planting. And so in the agricultural society that the Bible was written, it's it's talking about the fact that the birds don't like plant and put seeds in the ground and go around harvesting and load everything up in a barn and somehow they still eat. So this would be similar to you know, they don't go to the office and, uh, or whatever your job happens to be. <laughs> they don't work on a computer or, you know, whatever our current thing. The birds don't do that and they still eat. And then what it says, it says, your heavenly father feeds them. So are you not of more value than they? Do you think God thinks you're more valuable than a bird? Yes, he does. God does think that you are, he likes the birds too, but he definitely considers you to be more significant. So it's saying that if God can take care of birds, he can take care of you. It's not saying that we're to starve to death or not have clothing or not have a roof over our head or any of those things, it says. And then in verse 27, it says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit or inch to his stature? So could you worry about it and grow? So it's just sort of, it, it, it's, it's talking about the fact that, you know, mind you, we do have control over the things as far as sowing or reaping. We don't over growing an inch. But it's getting into perspective that we, well, let's just keep reading, actually. Instead, and then 
you know, that'll say, those scriptures will say. Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? <laughs> um, in the, because uh, I'm a girl. <laughs> no. In verse 28, it says, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Spin is like spinning fabric. Um, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know, Solomon was famous for having gold clothing. Now, even today, the richest people, I don't think they do a whole lot of gold clothing today. We think some fashions are expensive. People wear, you know, outfits that are $100,000, you know, their wedding dresses, you know, that are you have, you, like $100,000 dresses and things like that. Solomon's clothing, could you imagine clothing that was woven from gold? So that's as rich and as fat as you can get. And um, it's saying his clothing is not as beautiful as the lilies. Wouldn't you agree? Gold lilies, hmm, which is prettier. <laughs> um, so this is obviously, this is kind of just a figure of speech in a lot of these. Uh, and verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So, and it says that it's by faith that we inherit the promises of God. We need to have faith and trust God. We want to be in a place that, our, that we are trusting God to supply our needs. In verse 31, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. In verse 33, but, and the word but means the contrast to worrying about all of those things. It says, seek first. It doesn't say seek only. Now, that would be a little wacky. Some people look at this and go, oh, I just won't have a job. I won't, you know. We're, you, know <laughs> you know, I'm seeking God. I'll just, you know, be in a corner and, you know, pray all the time. And God will deliver the food to my door. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, it says, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So in life, the principle, as far as the big rock, there is no bigger rock, I don't believe. If you want to live your life to the full in every way, there's nothing like putting God in first. God says so, and he says, if you do it, all, all the other things will be added to you. Life gets in perspective when we live it seeing eternity, not just this moment. When we see our lives, because that's why we get so caught up with sand, because we're like, oh, we just start looking in the day and what's in front of us. We're not looking big picture. When we look to God and look at life in, through God's eyes and through eternal perspective, Everything else kind of starts falling together and makes sense. And we're trusting that it's God that's going to bring these things to pass. So it's putting just the, all we're talking about is putting the rocks in. Guess what? There still was room for the sand when we did that. It's spiritual. I don't, you know, it's really interesting because, and then what does that look like to put God first anyway? What would that look like? 
in terms of trusting God more for you. And I would, I would want you to ask that question, where is it in your life that you could be putting God first more in and trusting him and seeking a relationship with him? I'll tell you a big one for me in trusting God in the, is in prayer. You know, have you ever noticed that if you don't make prayer a priority, all of a sudden you don't have time? The day goes by, you know, you keep saying, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. It's, the day's over, what happened? <laughs> it's Sunday. <laughs> Things that you, you know, like that to me is so huge in terms of my relationship with God. I used to not make it the big deal that it is, but now I know I, my life is radically different when I spend time, you know, alone time really seeking God in prayer. For me, I just, it's not just like throwing up a few quick ones. I, like, <laughs> yeah. It's a relationship. I want to be close to God. I want to grow in faith. So I make it a big deal. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. There are days I miss, but I go to great lengths usually to spend at least a half hour on my knees alone with God, just seeking him out in a relationship with him and sometimes, you know, an hour. But to try and really make that like the big deal before I start my day and before, and before I check Facebook. No, it's not always before I check Facebook. <laughs> Sometimes I get up and check Facebook first and then get on my knees. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 15 minutes I went by and I got a lot to do today. I better get on my knees. Also, just spending time in the scripture, spending time fellowshipping, making that a priority. Think of the things that help you to grow in your relationship and your faith and your closeness with God. Because it helps make, I'm telling you, when I do that, I always get more done in my day. It's the wackiest. It doesn't make any sense, really. If there is no God, it doesn't make sense. That I'm just fooling myself or something. But it seems to work all the time. I take the time out at the, you know, at the start, and everything goes better. Everything goes faster. Things come together. It goes smoother. And putting God first. My work goes better. It's really interesting, too, because of my job. Huh. I have the... I have a job that's amazing. I, um, as I told you before, I'm an acting teacher. And I never in a million years thought I would be doing something so wacky. I never studied for that. I mean, I studied acting long. But it just, I don't have a degree. I should not be an acting teacher. Well, I mean, not like that, but. <laughs> but. Early on, when we started this church, this, this church kind of started as an accident in a way, um, as being a little bit more of a, of a gang, you know, ministry um, than, than what it is now, and it's kind of evolved. But my heart was so, all I wanted to do is to serve God and make a difference. I just really wanted people to know Jesus. I just was like, Jesus changed my life. I want everybody to know Jesus, and that's... I knew that was what was living in passion in my heart. And I really believe because that was the big deal in my life that God opened a door for me to have this wacky career that I really like and that I do believe honors him in it. Um, because I'm able to help people. 
And even if people don't come to know God through my class, I can pass on some of God's healing. And I'm committed to doing that. And But it's just sort of like, I think, because it was just sort of an accident. I, you know, I won't tell you the whole story, but basically the short version was I was just trying to help out some people I knew that were actors and in my living room uh, coaching them. And all of a sudden, people started working on TV, and now we have the most successful acting school in the Bay Area. And I really believe like that that came about because all I cared about was seeking God and saying, God, how can I do something to pay the bills, you know, um, while I serve you? That's all I really cared about. I didn't care what it was. I was doing real estate appraisal. I mean, I just really didn't care. I just wanted something that I could do that was like flexible and serve God and never imagine that that's where the door would open up. And that's how I believe it works. I've seen people, we have an ambassador program, which is like a one-year leadership training program to teach people how to put God first in their lives and, and how to do some of this rocks and sand thing. And I've seen over and over people, Chris is an example of that, like Alberto, people that have done the ambassador program that their careers took, like, did so much better and prospered when they had way less time that they were spending working. It's God's economy. God, and the way that God works things out, is he, that's what he's saying here. That's what he's promising. You seek God first, and he makes all the other stuff happen. I've seen it for everybody's life I know that's, that's really done that. God's taking care of all the other stuff. So here you are, you're living for God, having a great time, fulfilled life, and you get all the other stuff too. I believe that that's how God works in terms of prioritizing. Let's go to um, 1 Kings chapter 3. And then um, this is the story of Solomon, because I just think that this is just a cool, we read about Solomon and his gold clothing. Um, Let's see how he got there with the gold clothes. In 1 Kings 3 and verse 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I, uh, oh, ask what shall I give you? Now, God doesn't ask this of a lot of people. Probably because most people's answers wouldn't be as good as Solomon's. I'm thinking, could you imagine if God said that to you? Just ask, God Almighty created the heavens and the earth. What if he came to you and said, you can ask for anything you want because God does not, is not a genie in a bottle that we order around. This is not how God works, you know, like three wishes and, you know. God's creator of all of life, so it's not like it doesn't work that way. But he went to Solomon and asked that. So a lot of people wish God would say, say that. <laughs> and in verse 6 it says, And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and an uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him. You have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O oh Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, see, I hate when I cry that my nose runs. It's obnoxious. And it's going to be on the video. Gee, Louise. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> oh, that wouldn't be nice. Okay. <laughs> um, it says, therefore, um, give your servant an understanding heart. Thank you. To judge your people, that I might discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this so great a people of yours? So this is kind of cool because Samuel is given a king, kingdom, big kingdom, massive people, lots of, you know, power that comes with that. So he's already pretty fat cat. And God says, what would you like? And what he cares about? Talk about a heart. This is a guy that has a heart for God, at least at this point in his life later on. Not quite as much. But at this point, he cares and he's, he's so in awe that God entrusted him with his people. And he's like, this is your people, God. These are so great a people. Help my heart to take care of them. Which is an amazing thing as a king to, to just walking in to not say, how can I take advantage of people? But he's got a heart of how can I serve? How can I help? You've entrusted me. I don't want to let you down. Give me wisdom to help with this. What a great thing to ask for of the, when you get one wish from God. And it says, the speech pleased the Lord <laughs> that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, then God said to him, oh wait, sorry, life for yourself, nor ask for riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, which these are things kings usually ask for, but ask for yourself understanding to discern justice. In verse 12, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So what God does is make Sol Solomon turns out to become the richest man in the whole world by like a lot. You know, because God blessed him because his heart was first to serve the Lord and to serve the Lord's people, that that was his priority. So pretty cool. I just want to go to... One more, uh, if you'll turn to Proverbs 3 and in verse 5, or look up there, or in your you version. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I want you to think about that in what you're pursuing. You think about your, your path and where you want to go and what your vision what you want that to look like, guess what the answer is? To trust in the Lord with all your heart. So even in seeking God first, you can do this in whatever the directions are that you're taking as well. Because how, you know, this is a discipline to get where we're seeking, where do I go, God, instead of being self-reliant, instead of, you know, trusting in our own wisdom. In all your ways. So think about what are the ways right now I want you to ponder. These are some things I want you to ponder. What are some ways that you can acknowledge God in some of your paths right now that are before you? Because it says, if, if in all your ways you acknowledge him, he will direct your path. It says in verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. 
Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And this is a principle too. I know that it's not uh, what we're, not the big topic, but this is another way of seeking God first. God actually puts in his word, I know it sounds wacky, that we're supposed to seek him first in giving of our finances to God, to honor God. Sounds kind of a crazy thing in today's day and times, but I know that I have done that in my life, and I believe that that's also a way of having God provide for you, where you're saying, I'm not trust." it says right here, it says, if you honor God with the first of what you receive instead of the leftover, that he will make sure that you are prospered in everything that, that you have. It's another way of putting God first. It's, it's sometimes people are really challenged by it, but if you haven't tried that, that'd be something to think about too, as far as, um, you know, to think about like moving in towards trusting God with our finances and in giving, you know, in, prior, in prioritizing. So I want you to think right now, and I want you actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, but I'd also like you to write some things down right now. I want you to write some things. Everybody's got your program or something to write with, right? There's a little place to take notes in there. I want you to think about how can you seek God more in your life with your time, your energy, your talents. To just write some, down some things that are coming up on your heart. And another one I want you to think about is what is the sand in my life that I'm not that I'm letting go in the jar first that doesn't need to be? What are the things that I'm not doing well at prioritizing that are filling up my time, my days? And I want you to think about, we've got the, you know, how do we seek God first in the jar, but what are some of the other things in your life in this, in this vision? What about the part of it is for your rocks, are definitely parts of how you're fulfilling your vision in your life and putting time and energy into that and what God's calling you to. Part of the rocks are family. That's a big one that sometimes, you know, people neglect as well. You know, of letting all kinds of other things get in the way with spending time with family. It's a huge one. You know, Adam and I have, uh, you know, a lot on our plate to do, but if you're married, you've got to be spending time with your spouse. You know, if you've got kids, it's a big deal to spend time with them. You know, those relationships just don't come automatically, you know, to have, to have that. So think about, you know, is anything stealing some of those things away as far as the sand goes? You know, and also just invite God in to shed light on this in places that maybe, what, you know, that we've had our eyes closed, and even being mindful in this week ahead, I want to ask you to just to be aware and to be thinking about what are some things that maybe you could put off or postpone that aren't as necessary that might be eating up your time? What are some things that you really need to put in there that you know, to make your life, the vision of what God's calling you to in your life, to have that come to pass as well. Okay? So you can keep writing if you'd like while I pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful 
for your goodness. There is, life with you is amazing. There's nothing else like it. You make life meaningful and rich and give us purpose. You, God, are worth living for. You are worth putting first. You, because even all the other things that we do that you make life sweeter, you, you also give us direction. You do light our path as we acknowledge you, that you're willing to give us the wisdom and the insight in what the steps are, and even in, in helping us prioritize that we can spend time in the morning and ask you to just guide our steps and help us be more mindful of our priorities and doing first things first. And of course, there's nothing bigger as far as putting in first than you, God. So help show us these things and make us more aware and help us to trust you and not ourselves in this that you will take care of all of our other needs, that that's how good of a God you are, that we matter to you way more than the birds, that we matter to you, and you like the birds too. But God, that, that you would, that we have a sense of letting go and trusting you and not worrying so much about everything, not taking everything on our own shoulders, that we can cast our cares on you because you care for us, God. So I pray and thank you for these things and really working mightily in everyone's heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.